go. Might be the biggest. Uh, <laughs> might be the biggest show we've ever done. <laughs> Slick Rick Cowboy Cam's in full effect tonight on a Monday. <laughs> on a Monday night live from Studio 6B. There he is, Slick Rick, ready to go. Cowboys wow. Bucks tonight. Playoff game, win or go home. <laughs> there's a the, the slickster. He's all he is ready to go. He's even got gloves on. What I think he's got pads for? on too. He may run into the wall a couple times tonight. <laughs> he's ready to go. He's got his he's little got guy. No mic. No, of course not. We don't. We know we got him. My God, Paul, it's bad enough when you have a mic. We can't have him have a mic on a night like tonight. Yeah, we can't afford the fines. <laughs> yeah, we can't afford the fines. No, no mic for Slick Rick tonight. So um, we should ask the audience that like a little swear job for us. Like when they swear in the chat, they they send us a dollar. So the next time I screw up. You know, we could we could cover the FCC fine. <laughs> I don't think it's gonna. We're gonna need a dollar from a lot. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think so. Uh, live from Studio Six B on a Monday, Slick Rick. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> if he has breakaway chaps, I'm leaving. Oh God, Slick Rick settling in, getting ready, getting <laughs> getting ready for. Uh, uh, Cowboys and uh, Bucks tonight. His Cowboys. He now, lives or dies with them every week. And now, here now, we go. So now he can hear us, right? Uh, yeah, he can for now. I, okay. I think I'm going to cut that off pretty soon because I, I I don't like that he can hear when we're coming to him. Right. So we got to we're going to get the gen. I want the genuine reactions. Yes. We're going to have Slick Rick Cam all night uh, somewhere on the screen. So. Um, now, now my, my question is, if we could have uh, the full screen and if Slick Rick could do a little swing around in that chair and show everybody on the back what's on that jersey, because I, I was surprised. <laughs> it's his name. That's got his name. His he, favorite player is him. Yeah, he thinks, he like thinks he's on Good the team, him. this guy. Yeah. Well, you know, he's number one fan. I got a curious question here, Slick Rick. You got to nod yes or no. After the, you know, Dallas goes their first touchdown, would you do the gritty for us? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when, when when they score a first touchdown, they make it 28-7 Tampa. <laughs> oh, give me. Oh, wow. God. All right, Slick. So uh, settle on in. We'll get back to you when the game comes out. And if you want to, if you want to come out here and do sports, you're more than welcome to come do your sports. And if 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 not, uh, depending on your mood <laughs> throughout the night, uh, we'll see how it goes. So. Uh, live from Studio 6B on a Monday. Glad you're in. Paul Nolan's going to do the news. Rick Delgado's here as well. Gio Fran holding it down as always. Let me first say a big congratulations and welcome to Grant Stinchfield, who you all just watched for the hour before us. Grant is now going to be at the 7 o'clock hour. Welcome to the RAV family. Great first show, Bannon, and just great stuff. And uh, a lot of you are familiar with Grant, obviously, from his days on another network. And he, I think he's just uh, fantastic. And, and he's so professional. Yes, and a Ugh. great addition to the RAV family. Um, so welcome and congratulations on the first show. And then there's us. And then there's us, yes. Uh, more like the Manson, Manson family <laughs> than the RAV. We, we, <laughs> we, might, we might need to institute a dress code on this show. <laughs> than the RAV family. So uh, that's very possible, Paul. You could lead the way up with that. So um, Yeah, I'm going to start wearing a suit and a tie. Okay, very good. Um, so there's lots to talk about, but obviously let's start. It's uh, Martin Luther King's would be his 94th birthday. And I watched the news today and um, watched social media. And as long as some of you have been watching this show since I've been doing it in 2015 and since these guys joined us, and um, I've always taken this day to at some point try to play Dr. King's I Have a Dream speech if we can. 
And now we'll see if we can get to it tonight, at least part of it. I believe it's about 17 minutes, so it's too long for any one segment. I won't play the whole thing. But we, we have always tried to honor Dr. King. And I got to thinking this year, as you hear, um, you hear the pundits and you look at social media and you see the Democrats who continue to um, obviously talk about this day, um, the Democrat Party represents almost nothing exactly of um of dr king's teachings exactly his his message of unity character over color individualism yeah that would all infuriate the left of today they might even call him a sellout today d absolutely um does critical race theory represent Martin Luther King's teachings and no, his speeches? Sir. No. Does um does the segregationist Joe Biden himself um does hanging out with the leader of the K the Grand Kleagle of the KKK, that would be then becoming the Senate leader for the Democrats, Robert Byrd. That's bad. Eulogizing him at his funeral. Does that does that um no, represent good. Dr. King's teachings? No, sir. Uh, saying biracial schools are are jungles, as he did when in the busing um, NPR audio I played for you. Black kids aren't as smart as white kids. You remember that? Mm-hmm. So how, how does that all Four fit in? That doesn't fit in. Does, uh-huh. does Sheila Jackson Lee fit in with Dr. King's teaching, who's bringing a bill forward right no, now sir. that would basically make it... Um, um, Trying to end basically free speech for white people in the United States. How how do you think Dr. King would feel about that? I wonder. Yeah, he wouldn't like it. In nineteen, you know, some, go ahead, Paul. You know, in some of his speeches, he had mentioned things along the lines of the black people here today are a test case for you know for for victimhood for everybody in the future. It, it was along the lines of people wear victimhood on their hat. And and they'll and they'll parade their victimhood, you know, in an effort for for sympathy. And you know, his message was constantly that this was coming, and it was coming not just for the black people. It was coming for poor whites next, and then it was coming for the lower middle class. It was coming for the middle class. It was going to eat its way upward. He that was in his messages, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. This this is nowhere near what his message was. He said in 1968, and I'll quote him here. I'm not only concerned about the black poor, I'm concerned about the white poor. We are going to grapple with the problem of poor people, and we're going to do it black and white together. He wanted equal opportunity. Mm-hmm. Republicans want equal opportunity. Democrats want guaranteed equal outcomes. There's a big difference. Today's, the, the Democrats of today, or more, more importantly, I guess the left of today, is, is everything... And we know this because you can see it almost every day. Everything is race and skin color. If you mention character, you are, uh, as Paul said, you're likely to be called, and he would probably be likely to be called um, a sellout. Or if you're, obviously, if you're white, a racist. If you even talk about character. That's how we have a Supreme Court justice. That's how we have a press secretary. It's nothing more than that. I'm sorry, it's not. There's no way either one of them is the most qualified for that job. What would Dr. King think about the ever-growing government? What would he think about the state of black America today? I wonder. The collapse of the black family? Black-on-black crime in all these cities? These Democrat-run cities? Democrat leadership in Baltimore, places like Detroit? 
And most importantly, and the great Walter Williams used to talk about this all the time, the dependence on the ever-growing government and the dependence on those programs. He would be nothing for any of that at all. And quite frankly, the last thing I'll say about it, and before the New York Post has an article today that I think is very good, um, there wouldn't even be a Martin Luther King Day if Ronald Reagan didn't sign it into law. We waited for a Democrat to do it. There would be no Martin Luther King Day today that we celebrate. He signed it into law in 1983. The Democrat Party has nothing to do, almost, completely removed from most of what Dr. King talked about. Yeah, and and you can look at people, other black people in in the community and say, what would would Dr. King say to somebody like a Reverend Al Sharpton? I mean, people like that, who, who basically make their living off the back of the people they quote unquote, supposedly uh, go out there to fight for. Yeah, the merchants of hate. Yeah. They, they, don't, they don't support anything within the community. The community, is, uh, as Reverend Al calls it, the community. Uh, he's too busy, you know, flying around on his jets, um, taking in money, rabble-rousing when, he, when it's politically expedient, and then disappearing when real work needs to get done. You know? Oh, and not paying taxes. Forgot about that one. So, you know, you look like you look at him, you look at others throughout the government representatives. uh, uh, What's her name out in California? You know, don't let them uh, don't give the you know, if you see a Republican get in their face. Maxine Waters. Maxine Waters. What would he say to Maxine Waters? What would he say to any Democrat who sits up there and they and, and they use this day to get on their no pun intended, their pulpit. And like Joe Biden did yesterday at Martin Luther King's church at his pulpit. And talk about um, how much they celebrate him. and cel- Those are the same people who will turn around and tell you that America is systemically racist, systemically this, systemically that. Well, he didn't, Dr. King didn't te- believe or teach or, or think that we should be thinking in, in, in those, in anything like that. He didn't believe in systemic problems. So yeah, of course we had problems. But this country is far closer to the dream that Martin Luther King had than it is to the Democrats' utopia that they want to picture for you and your kids. That, that utopia is far from his, his vision. Far from his vision. Yeah, and, and, and what, would he say to, what would he say to Joe Biden, who says, you know, well, he was black, out there? Right, if you're not black, you don't, you, you're oh. not, if you don't know to vote for me, you're not black. Oh, not even that. That he was out there, you know, he, he was leading the marches. He was out there. Uh, he was going to black churches. He was not. He's lied about this for, for. Oh my God. He's lied about this more than George Santos has ever lied about anything. Right. Yeah. He's the guy who called those, the, the, you know, those people, uh, you know, with the, in that, that NPR thing. Yeah. He, he was at, he was at black marches. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And, and then you follow it up in 1977 when, when he said, unless we do something about this, my children, this is Joe Biden said, it. Yeah, right. This is my it. children are going to grow up in a, in a jungle, a jungle being a racial jungle. These are his words. That's this a quote. Is, this is his, this is his words on the NPR busing issue. This yeah. is what Kamala leveled him about in the debates. And Meanwhile, Kamala, you know, incarcerated more African-Americans over minor crimes, you know, than anybody else. I mean, she she wrought havoc on the black communities with her uh, authoritarian, you know, 
position. So now she's one to speak to. It's just, just the hypocrisy never ends. And as um, I heard Clem, Ken Blackwell speaking this morning to Steve Bannon, very articulate, brilliant guy. And of course, the great Walter E. Williams, which is one of my great highlights of, of all time of the on the show to interview him. Um, the black community, the African-American community has come so far, that he, as, as Walter E. Williams always argued, there is no other place on earth that the black community would, would have come as far as they have other than in the United States. If you take, you take the wealth, he, I, I'll never forget this, and I'm going to misquote it, but he said something to the effect of, you, if you take the wealth of all of the African-American community, they would be about the 14th or 15th largest GDP in the world. And you think about um, the first African-American two-term president. You think about um, some of the other places, other things that this country has achieved. And you think about President Trump's before, un unfortunately, before he got jobbed in 2020, the, the plan for black America that he had, that he laid out, unemployment, where all that was. All right, live from Studio 6B. Just getting started. A little more on this. We'll get into some news, and then we'll get into, uh, well, we'll try to get into sports, depending on... How's he doing? <laughs> He's still upright. <laughs> oh, the game hasn't started yet, so, so they haven't lost. <laughs> Studio 6B on a Monday night. Look who's joined us on the set here uh, since it's time for sports. He figured he could squeeze it in just yeah. as we get kickoff here. First pass dropped. Yeah. Man, he looks like Cheech and Chong's drug dealer. <laughs> yeah, man. This is my lucky hat. This is my Landry hat signed yeah. by Bob Lilly, the great Mr. Cowboy. All right, very good. Slick Rick will do sports here in a second. Paul's going to do some news. Rick Delgado's here. Geo Fran holding it down as always. You got a bowl of soup with that hat? How, um, yep. how truly are you feeling, Rick? How nervous are you on a scale of 1 to 10? Uh, not so nervous. I'm here with you guys. I'm a glutton for punishment. My wife cannot believe I'm actually here because I won't go anywhere when the Cowboys play unless I absolutely have to. And, yeah. But I'm here for you. I'm here for the show. And we appreciate the um, the theater that yeah. you will provide for us. Oh, it'll be That's grand. what it's all about. So. Grand theater. Very good. Yeah. All right. Well, let's do some sports while you're here before you have to run. <laughs> exactly. Sports is brought to you by our friend Mike Lindell. MyPillow. MyPillow.com slash LFS6B. Great stuff for Valentine's Day. Get on there. Use our code LFS6B. 10 to 60% off most items. Slick Rick, what's going on? All right. Super wild card weekend. Great football this weekend. Cowboys off to a great start now. Three and out. We start the game. Fantastic. <laughs> Looking great. They can't catch the balls. I think the ball is greased like a butterball turkey, but that's another story. So let's get into Super Wild Card Weekend because I know a lot of folks on, on in the chat and a lot of our fans that watch the show are, are big NFL fans. Not all of them, believe me. I hear you out there that don't like it. But for the ones that do, San Francisco 49ers 41 to 23 over the Seattle Seahawks. 9 to QB Brock Purdy had a block party. 332 yards, three <laughs> touchdowns, and another touchdown on the ground. That kid looks good. Came out of nowhere, and boy, the Niners look like a good team 49ers will host the winner of tonight's game between the Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys and that'll be next Sunday appointment television at 6 30 Jacksonville Jaguars great game down 27 nothing come back to 31 30 over the LA Chargers I got a great story on somebody that lost a lot of money on a bet oh. in-game bet big D on <laughs> Fantul. I hope that oh wasn't you big D. me and Paul have already talked <laughs> about it <laughs> we'll get to oh that later God. on yeah Jack a fool and his money deserve to be parted yeah. oh man Man, that, what, you thought it was 
was a lock, but no. QB Trevor Lawrence, 288 yards, four touchdowns after four picks. I mean, the kid will completely lost. Talk about a half game, halftime in-game adjustment. Wow, unbelievable. Uh, and <laughs> Travis Eddie in 109 yards rushing, and the Jags will visit Kansas City at 4:30. I don't know, Cinderella ride might end quick when you got to go to Kansas City and play Patrick Mahomes and uh, and Holmgren there. That's going to be a tough one. Someone said you look like a guy scalping tickets outside of Cowboys. <laughs> I could, I could, man.
Uh, take his earpieces out, G. Make sure he doesn't have them. I don't want him to know what we're saying or when we're saying it. So, uh, All right, we'll get back to some more sports. If Slick Rick makes it back, I guess that'll depend on the score. We'll have to see what happens. So uh, let's do some news. And here with the news is Paul Nolan. What's going on, Mr. Nolan? Well, you know, um, I don't know if you guys have been paying attention to what's going on in Davos. But uh, the World Economic Forum, is uh, they have their meetings this week. And this year's annual meeting at the World Economic Forum in Switzerland, where hundreds of the world's most powerful people are gathering. And they'll be tre- uh, protected by as many 5,000 troops from the Swiss armed forces. More taxpayer money being wasted, you know, as they carve up every bit of the planet um, right from underneath your nose. So the meeting kicked off on Monday. will run until Friday, January 20th. The Swiss Army had already begun deploying uh, uh, troops in Davos, a resort town in the Alps. Uh, as early as January 6th, the World Economic Forum International Organization was founded in Switzerland in 1971 by German economist Klaus Schwab, everybody's favorite, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> Lunatic, Bond, uh, Bond, 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 yeah. And I, I, all of a sudden, that image of him on the beach—God knows if that's true or not. Remember, you sent me that over there, Delgado. Yeah. Now the yeah. word is he's he's not attending, right? He he did the opening thing, and now he's not going to be there. And then Soros also pulled out. That's my understanding. They both pulled out. What's what's uh, cooking over there? Uh, maybe that. What I think it possibly is just from. And this is just pure speculation is that they have got way too much attention on them. most of these things and these organizations like, you know, the Council on Foreign Relations and the Bilderberg groups, they, they want as much anonymity as possible. They want to work in the shadows as much as possible of the Internet, obviously, and this awakening that Trump kind of brought to the forefront. More and more people are talking about these things. When I would bring up the Bilderberg group or the, or the, the party at Davos or, you know, Five six years ago, people would look like you're crazy. What? Are, so what? Rich guys are getting together. It's good. It's, it means more jobs. Yeah. Okay. Uh, now people are starting to kind of <laughs> see what's uh, kind of kind of see what's going on here. So I think maybe it's just a matter of oh, keeping a lower profile uh, is all I can think of at this point. I heard but, uh, that I thought, um, one of the one of the things I saw again. I have no idea if any of it's true. Is that uh, the the Bond villain is um, his health is deteriorating. <sighs> Well, I'm sure he'll get some adrenochrome soon, and we'll, he'll be on on the mend. Um, yeah, he does seem like he's declining. Uh, and if you saw his latest uh, that latest speech, boy, he really was out there in the open. His vision for a one-world government and digital oh, yeah. currencies, and and you know, eating uh, plant-based proteins and bugs, and you know, he he's he was all in. He was all in on the whole. You know, you'll have nothing, and you'll be happier. Oh, uh, and the computer tri- chip in the brain too. Yeah, which He's is just really astounding. Yeah, it's astounding how totalitarians, uh, it's the same as it ever was, just they have way more power and way more technology. So, mm. you know, transhumanism I saw, uh, is real. I saw an interesting quote about the World Economic Forum, Paul. If I can find it in a commercial break, I'll pull it up, and I want, I'd want. i like to get your, uh, your feedback on what you think of it. Um, all right, live from Studio 6B, we'll do some more news with Paul. We'll check in on the Slickster. Slick Rick Cowboy Cam live tonight all night live from Studio 6B on a Monday.
right, 30 minutes past the hour, live from Studio 6B on a Monday. Glad you're in, starting a new week off. Again, congratulations to Grant Stinchfield. Welcome to the RAV Army. Stinchfield Army, where are you at? Uh, great first show tonight, Steve Bannon had some great guests, covered some great topics. Every night, 7 o'clock, live right here, Real America's Voice, and on the Getter stream, check them out, obviously. I uh, saw everybody in the chat. I saw uh, Karen Turk in there, Ed Henry in there, Steve Gruber in there, Zen Master was in there, Junior was in there. Now, Karen said she had to leave at 7.59 and not continue to watch whatever was on RAV. And I, and I, I said to her, well, <laughs> if I was carrying that morning show, your shoulders must hurt, your back must hurt. I'd, I'd probably have to, get some, have to get my sleep too. So I totally understand that. So, um, All right, so Paul, we'll do some more news. But here's the thing I wanted to ask you about. So Christopher Rufo... He's a writer for City Journal, which I absolutely love. They do great in-depth stuff. Fellow at the Manhattan Institute. He says the following. I want to get your reaction to it. On popular opinion, the obsession with Klaus Schwab, Davos, and the World Economic Forum is misguided as they have little real power over life in America. It's also enervating. Uh, what is that word? Enervating as it shifts the uh, focus of control to faraway figures while constructive action can still be taken at home. Stay focused. And then he says, in response to some counterpoints, ultimately Trump endorsed mass lockdowns. Most governors went along with him with DeSantis providing a notable exception. We didn't have uh, to follow the China playbook. The fault is our own. Uh, these are people who are responding to the, his initial thing. This guy said, I disagree. I think a true focus of DEA and ESG and ESG has been pushed and enabled. He says, sure. But the inventors and key promoters of ESG are American activists and asset management firms. And again, Congress could outlaw ESG tomorrow if it had the desire to do, to, do so. The WEF can't force any U.S. policy. What do you, uh, what do you think about that? Well, I, think, I think that statement there was completely naive. You, you hold one? the purse strings and you hold the po politicians. That, that Congress could stop at any time they wanted. Of course they could at any time they wanted, but they're not going to get reelected if they do. All the money and all the finance and all the power comes from these NGOs and PACs and you know, these massive corporations that are all signed up and aligned with ESG and DEI. I mean, this whole process of, look, the reason, half the reason Trump was completely crucified and vilified across this country was based on his green energy, his anti-green energy policies. You look at the car manufacturing business, they rebuilt almost all of their entire plants based on electric energy and electric cars. They completely abandoned the combustion engines because all of their technology, they put into this, they own the technology and the patents and the rights. So they make it illegal for you to own a gas car so they can narrow the competition field. And now they force you into a box to buy the product that you know, they've, they've stifled competition and removed. And it's the same thing, you know, with the money supply. If, you know, the, you know the, we have this like communistic form of fiat money and the bankers own it. It was talking about BlackRock and Vanguard and State Street control 22 trillion of what, the 45 trillion or, or 60 trillion that's in existence on the planet today. How much is theirs? It, it, they have a, between a third and a half of control on it. So if you're going to tell me that this, this guy's uh, opinion of, you know, that, that these faraway figures are vilified because, you know, it gives us some some uh, villain to dis to hate and unite against. Well, maybe so to a degree because people don't know what Look, the powers that be are. They don't know who pulls the strings. Here's what, else he, here's what else he says. He says, I want the political right to be effective 
And the focus on the World Economic Forum is a distraction and an infuri- uh, inferiority complex. If, it, if instead of the World Economic Forum, we focused on civil service reform, institutional governance, anti-ESG legislation, and higher education reform, we'd be much better off. The big problems in the U.S., declining labor force participation, family breakdown, social uh, atomization, drug overdoses, institutional capture, racialist and gender ideologies, collapse of social trust are not because of Klaus Schwab. They are our problems and need our solutions. One of my goals this year is to highlight actions we can all take. And okay, so what do you think of that? Well, I just think that's like the equivalent of saying, like, you know, those are just symptoms on the host. You know, it's like lesions on someone with AIDS. It's like, you know, it's tumors on someone with cancer. I mean, they're just part of the, you know, they're just, they're the symptoms we could see and feel, uh, you know, you know, as as the host living it. I mean, these those are those are the things, the distractions on the bottom end to, you know, keep the little ants, the red ants and the black ants, you know, tearing each other to pieces as we're trying to fight over scraps. It all starts from the top down. So I think that's again, I think there's some truth to it, but he misses the point in my my opinion. I think the grander scope of it, yeah, okay, yeah, I get that. That's a good point. Great, we should be focusing on that. We should. How do you focus on that when the media doesn't allow any focus on it and politicians completely run the cover the second anyone says anything negative about anything that the media would then brand them as being racist, being misogynistic, being a climate denier or whatever label of the week and then they're killed in the court of public opinion. So I think they work. I, th- I think the whole thing works hand in hand and it's, you know, I, that's why I call it sorcery. You know, it. it it, to me, it's uh, I I I think it's a bit naive the uh, the author's opinion on that. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna side. Where's with, Slick? Uh, I don't see him up here. While we while we keep going here, oh. go ahead. What, I, I was gonna say I'm gonna, I'm gonna side with Paul on this uh, only because you know yeah it might be a small group you know the World Economic Forum they're unelected. Um, it was great. I, w- I was watching today uh, earlier before I get I got here the uh, President Trump when he addressed. The World Economic Forum. And he said, we're not going to bow to these unelected, you know, people, blah, blah, blah. And he was talking right, right to their face, which was great to see. But then you look and you go to uh, you go to something that, that Schwab has himself talked about, how he's grooming people through this World Economic Forum. Like you're saying, Paul, where you can't really ignore it, because what does he say? He's got more than half of the government of Canada. Yeah. Right. He's infiltrated it, Canada. God knows how it, many uh, how many of those people are infiltrating our our uh, government, pushing their politics. I mean, right, look Push, pushing those policies, pushing that legislation that all falls in line with what their end goal is. So, yeah, you can you can say it could be a distraction until you look in your own house and go, wait, they're here. It's almost like we're infected with it. Now, how do we, how do we get rid of that infection? Yeah. All right, good. I just wanted to get your feel. I, I saw that, Paul, and I thought of you, and I wanted to see because obviously with all the focus on what's going on over there this week. So, um, all right, good stuff. So, all right, let's get to a couple other things here uh, in this news segment. So I, I have told you as long as I've done this show that these Sunday shows are um, tw- the reason their ratings continue to tank and the heavy lifting they're doing for the Biden administration here on this and this um everything that's gone on this past week 7 days with these documents is quite unbelievable and this weekend was really um they're they're not news people 
They're, they're just not news people. They are absolutely propagandists for the left. And they, and they cannot, and they're an incestuous group too, by the way. You know, um, what's the guy over on uh, Meet the Press there? He worked for Schumer and they all worked for him. I mean, they're all, it's just one big, you know, incestuous slobbering all over each other deal. But they're not news people. They're not serious news. They don't want to do anything to help you understand the situation better. They don't want to get anything from their guests that's going to help you understand what it is. They want to get up there and demagogue. And um, they cannot control their ideology. Jake Tapper could not even control himself with James <laughs> Comer on talk about Biden documents. Cut one, G. Roll this. There's a big difference in how President Biden and his team reacted and how President Trump and his team reacted. The Stop. FBI searched. I said this the other day. <laughs> there is no padding in the law for how you react. Why do we keep talking about how the two reacted, how he reacted? It's like saying, well, the, 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 these guys both robbed the bank, but it's, it's really different. This guy, the way he reacted. <laughs> Who cares how he, he reacted? He was really sorry. There's no forgiveness, in, forgiveness or padding in the law for how you react. And he's right. There is a huge difference between Trump and Biden. Biden is way worse, and it's not even debatable. Way worse. But just this is the host of the show, just laying out his version of how he wants it to be. Go ahead. Ago, because Trump for more than a year refused to turn over documents to the National Archives and the Justice Department, which was trying to get them back into secure hands. Trump and his lawyers lied about it. Trump lied about not having classified documents, did not keep them in a secure location, did not comply okay, stop. with the subpoena, but said he <laughs> stop. I mean, it's just lying. It's just, it's just blatantly lying. It's just blatantly lying. Trump was in touch with the National Archives. We, Trump was in touch with the Department of Justice. Every president has done this. Every single one. He was in constant communication about the documents that he says he declassified. He took with him. He wanted to keep. They went back and forth. He said we were working with them. We had a working relationship. They asked me to change the lock. They, Secret Service protection was around the house 24-7, obviously, as a former president. We know what the working relationship was. We know what the relationship with the National Archives was. Jake Tapper is just lying. Go ahead. He had, and then that search warrant, which Trump forced out into the open through his legal machinations, that cited laws that Trump sure. might have violated, including the Espionage Act. It, no, stop, stop, stop. <laughs> Come on. I mean, that's, this is so ridiculous. The Espionage Act does not even apply. It has been argued and does not even apply to a president. The president is the executive branch. He is the executive branch. That is why he can classify and declassify anything in the moment that second. Because he is the executive branch. The Espionage Act cannot even apply to a president. In most understood constitutional lawyers who argue this. So he is just, he is demagoguing here to a point where I looks like he's going to start crying almost. 
Yeah, and, and, the, and the big part of this is he can't even clear the first hurdle. The first hurdle being Joe Biden broke the law. So you're starting there. He admitted he broke the law because he said, oh, yeah, I had them here, but it was in a locked garage. So he admits that they were there. He broke the law because he's not he doesn't have the privilege of the Presidential Records Act. He wasn't president at the time. So he doesn't have that to at his disposal. Well, Rick, just hold on a second, because I know you're talking, you know, I know you're saying these things, but you don't know oh. Jake Tapper law. So let That's me just true. let okay. me fill you in here on the rest of this clip. <laughs> Go ahead. Right. Jake. Thank you. Thank you. Damon. It's my understanding that President Trump did let the National Archives go through on numerous occasions, Mar-a-Lago looking at the documents. What my understanding is, and again, we don't know because we haven't been briefed, was that President Trump was arguing with National Archives over what is classified and what is not. As we've heard the president say before, the president has the authority to declassify documents. Now, the question is whether or not the president actually declassified the documents. The vice president does not have the authority to declassify. Actually, the vice vice president does have. There's a big difference. No, he doesn't. Okay, stop. I'm not saying. (laughs) What? (laughs) Someone help me out here. Please invite him on the show, D. Please. Someone please help me out. I am not a constitutional expert by any stretch of the imagination. I'm not a constitutional lawyer. I'm not a constitutional expert. I am not uh, even that well read in all of any of this. But please, someone point out to me the part of the Constitution that gives the vice president the same plenary power that the president has. Think about that and let me know where that is when we get back. <laughs> Actually, he does, Jake Tapper Rick's made his way back out into the studio. Barely. Barely. He's, he's doing all right. Six nothing. Missed the extra point. Uh, man, that could be, uh, you know, you never know with these games. The extra points can come down, you know, especially a close game, close spread. Yeah, yeah, I Could know. mean something. So. Trust me, I know. But Tampa has shown, I mean, they're moving now. it now, but they've, yeah. shown, they've shown really no ability to move the ball. But Tom Brady looks like he fears for his life on every drop back. But uh, they're moving it right now, Slick. So could be 7-6 here soon. So Yeah, they'll, before, I'm sure they'll hit the extra point. Let's do <laughs> Maybe we should do sports before that time comes so we can actually do sports. And here with sports is Rick Emirati. Slick Rick, what's going on, pal? So from the uh, Harry's uh, Highway to Harry uh, – Office, I come out of there, and hopefully this isn't the slick wreck road to ruin because it's going to be a long night. Anyway, fan loses $1.4 million. Talk about a long night oh, after betting oh, on charges and oh. wild card collapse first the Jaguars. This is unbelievable. Oh, this is a real big D. Chalina Goldman of Yardbarker. Not all wages that were placed over Super Wild Card Weekend had positive returns, and one better made headlines for finding that out the hard way. Act- Action Network's Darren Ravel reported over the weekend that one unlucky better placed a $1.4 Million in-game bet at DraftKings on the Los Angeles Chargers to defeat the Jacksonville Jaguars, while the Bolts had a 27 to nothing lead. The yeah. Jaguars then came back to win the game 31-30, uh, leaving said better with a very large hole in his wallet. Uh, yeah. The bad bet was sealed after oh. Jaguar kicker Riley Patterson stuck a 36-yard field goal, erasing a first half in which Jacksonville had five 
turnovers. The Chargers' ultimate demise was the second biggest blown lead in NFL history, behind only uh, the Buffalo Bills rallying for 33 points to overcome a 32-point deficit to defeat the Houston Oilers in the comeback way back in 1992. Here's how stupid this guy is. Now, he wanted <laughs> to, to bet He bet $1.4 million and it was going to make 11000 right? <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah, eleven eight. Yeah, yeah. 11. He bet one point four million because he tried to pick up an easy eleven thousand figure, and there's no way they could lose. Right. So he makes the bet, thinking I'll just pick up an easy eleven thousand. All they got to do is still win the game, and I win the eleven grand. Right. Meanwhile, he risked one point four million to do it. <laughs> he could have bet if to make eleven thousand. He could have bet Paul at the time. What were they plus uh, fifteen hundred? He could have bet a couple grand on Jacksonville to come back and win the game. And to make the same eleven thousand, and he only would have put three at risk. Didn't you do that at half? Didn't you send me yeah. a screenshot? You put two hundred bucks on him at half yeah. instead of one point four. That was, a, that was a great call, Big D. Why would you put one point four on the guys who have the lead to win eleven thousand when you could just take a shot and put a couple thousand on the guys who are down twenty seven nothing? And if they come back a, and win, <laughs> you win the same eleven. That's not a smart man. I, I mean, I no. a, my my I mind's going blank now. <laughs> exactly. Oh, and then Michigan coach Jim Harbaugh says he will return in 2023. Adam Rittenberg of ESPN, really no surprise, but Jim Harbaugh will return as Michigan coach for the 2023 season after uh, talking with teams about a potential return to the NFL for a second straight year. University President Santa Ono tweeted Monday that he spoke to Harbaugh, who confirmed that he would return for a ninth season at his alma mater. Harbaugh last week uh, uh, did an interview with the Denver Broncos, who are looking for a coach. He also had a conversation with the Carolina Panthers owner, David Tepper about the coaching job, although it was not characterized as an interview, a league source told ESPN's David Newton. So he's staying put, Harbaugh. I think that's a good move for him anyway. And Ohio State quarterback C.J. Stroud entering NFL draft. This is Pete Thamel of ESPN. Ohio State junior quarterback C.J. Stroud has declared for the NFL draft, making his announcement on the final day that the players can formally declare they are entering the 2023 draft. Stroud projects as a consensus top five player in the NFL draft, according to ESPN draft analyst. Uh, he'll compete with uh, Alabama's Bryce Young and Kentucky's Will Levis uh, to be the top quarterbacks taken. So that was a big move there. I know the Buckeye fans are going to be really disappointed. And uh, that's a wrap in sports, Big D. Looked like the game, uh, 120 to go in the first quarter. Bucks are driving. And uh, let's see what happens there. All right, Slick Rick, very good. Uh, we'll continue to keep an eye on that. You can go back to your little hideaway if you'd like. Uh, <laughs> uh, we'll do some more sports a little bit later. Let's do some, <laughs> let's do some more news. I feel like we should have some merengue music or something for when he gets up and walks off. (laughs) Reminds me of my uncle. Man, Uh, Let's do some more news. News is brought to you by our friends at Early Treatment Meds. EarlyTreatmentMeds.com if you're looking for that ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine or um, uh, fluvoxamine or anything you'd want to deal with. um, They've got great stuff for the flu there. What's it called? Tamiflu. They got that too. It's like 20 bucks. It's great. Um, EarlyTreatmentMeds.com. What's going on, Paul Nolan? Well, thank God. Uh, this is great news. Uh, San Francisco's reparations committee proposes a $5 million <laughs> payout to every longtime black resident, debt forgiveness, and 97000 guaranteed income that will cost the city a mere $50 billion. Um, so this is happening now in, uh, as we speak in California. <laughs> Um, I think it's wonderful. I, I don't know what can go wrong here. Uh, to qualify, people need to have had a black, <laughs> have identified as black on public records for at least 10 years and must be at least 18 years old. Also must qualify uh, for um, 
two of a number of requirements, including having been born in the city or migrated uh, between 1940 and 1996 and lived there for 13 years. Uh, that's uh, quite arbitrary and brilliant. Speaking of things that I don't down. think Dr. King would, uh, especially in this day and age, would be all about, was this is another one. Yeah, I mean, the, propos uh, the proposal will uh, be submitted uh, to Mayor London uh, Breed and San Francisco Board of Supervisors uh, and the San Francisco Human Rights Commission in June. Um, you know, it's uh, it's looking real good. So uh, <laughs> I, I really I really hope that they get some of the money from, you know, the federal government. So this way I could chip in so I could feel better about my whiteness. Oh, that's good. You know what? Yeah, I, I know what's so funny, Paul, is that I read this story earlier as well, and I was just the first part <laughs> just got me. It's like, wait, so the to be eligible, you have to have identified as black or African American for at least ten years, hmm. <laughs> but you have to be eighteen years old at least. So think yeah. about that. So your first eight years of life, maybe you weren't black. Or I, I just don't understand that rationale. Like, how do you only identify as black for 10 years? Or if you just started? It's like, how, how does that even happen? Yeah. Well, in this I day, I mean, in this day and age, <laughs> who's the person who owns um, Miss Universe now? It's a he, right? Yeah, that's Is that what dude. I saw. Right. Yeah. It's, so, I mean, it, anything's possible, Rick, is my point here. I, I, don't. don't I, I'm just dumbfounded. Come on, get with the program here. <laughs> to, get down, get yeah. down to clown, would you please? You have to be black for at least 10 years. If you, if, if you haven't been black for 10 years, we don't even want to talk to you. You're not black enough. I guess you didn't vote for Biden either. Well, yeah. uh, uh, <laughs> I guess that means like Wayne Brady won't count because uh, he's been... He, uh, most black people say he's the whitest black man in the world, so he, he's no longer qualified and... Uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if perception works into it, though. But I, I'm just talking about the Dave Chappelle funny, bit. He's a funny dude. Remember the Dave Chappelle bit where <laughs> one of the best bits <laughs> ever, where he picks up bit. Wayne Brady on the street corner and he's a pimp. He's like, "Yeah, man, I got a more fool. They think I'm pretty white. White people like me, but they don't know the real me." <laughs> they just go around like Training Day. That was too good. All right, what else is going on in the news, Paul? Uh, I guess I could do this one real quick. Um, you know, um. Alveda King on uh, combating divisive uh, doctrines. Uh, she went on to say, um, the outspoken pro-life advocate and niece of Dr. King uh, declared Monday that combating divisive ideology requires a constant uh, re restatement of values. Her uncle espoused more than a half century ago. Every generation must be... Uh, the truth must be taught," she said John Solomon to Solomon's reports. Uh, by the way, this is a great listen if you guys haven't heard it. Um, and because I feel as though we're living in a accelerated times, because of all the technology and stuff, every decade. So in every decade, truth must be told and restated and restated and restated. So when things get really bad, when almost uh, when globals could say, "I don't have enough uh, word of the God left." If you look at it that way, I need to be praying more, I need to be saying more, and I need to be doing more. Uh, she was essentially talking about the uh, the real hate speech coming from the left these days, the divisive, um, hurtful, hateful rhetoric. And uh, you know, it's nice to see that she's really speaking for individualism and liberty as well. And um, she's just still... All right, we'll do some more news, more sports. Man, how's a quick first hour, hour two, coming up live from Studio 6B on a Monday right after this. Uh-oh.
live from Studio 6B on a Monday night. Glad you're in. Slick Rick Cowboy cams in full effect. Uh, Tom Brady just threw an interception in the end zone. So Cowboys are still up 6-0 with the ball again. So Slick Rick is still in a good mood, and that's good. We'll see if that continues. <laughs> Paul Nolan's here with the news. Rick Delgado's here. He may do some news as well. Uh, Gio Fran holding it down as always. So we went to um, – we went before we did sports in the last segment – we were talking about Jake Tapper's interview with James Comer, and, and Jake, of course, just can't control himself in, in his ideology, just oozing out of him when he interviews these people to run and grab his pom-poms and defend Biden and the Democrats. Um, can we go back to that clip, G, if you can go back a little bit from where we left off, um, if you can find it. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. Just pull it up. Um, maybe to we, – actually, we can even start it from the beginning if you want. If you just, just pull it up, just tell, let me know when you have it. Let's just – um, cause Jake Tapper said, so while he's getting that ready, so Fran's on the case. And I said, anybody who can find what the hell Jake Tapper's talking about, let me know. And then we, we actually have something here. So not that I think this is by the way, an answer or would stand up. I don't know if this has ever been challenged, but December 29th, 2009 executive order one, three, five, two, six classified national security information. This is a, an executive order by Barack Obama, and it says the following. This order prescribes a uniform system for classifying, safeguarding, and declassifying national security information, including information relating to defense against transnational terrorism. Our de democratic principles require that the American people be informed of the activities of their government. Also, our nation's progress depends on a free flow of information, both within the government and to the American people. Um, Accurate and accountable application of classification standards and routine, secure, and effective declassification are equally important priorities. Now, therefore, I, Barack Obama, by the authority vested in me as president by the Constitution and the laws of the United States, hereby order as follows. Section 1.1, classification standards. Information may be originally classified under the terms of this order only if all the following conditions are met. And it goes through a bunch of conditions that must be met. 1.2, classification levels. Information may be classified at one of the three following levels, top secret, secret, confidential. 1.3, classification authority. The authority to classify, well, now this says the authority to classify information originally may be exercised only by the president and the vice president. Number two, agency heads and officials designated by the president. And number three, United States government officials delegated this authority pursuant to paragraph C of this section, which is delegation of original classification authority. Uh, and this only talks about classification. Delegations of original classification authority shall be limited to the minimum required to administer this order. Agency heads are responsible for ensuring that designated subordinate officials have a demonstrable and continuing need to exercise this authority. Uh, and it goes on and on and on. And I'm not going to jump into the whole thing. Section 1.4 classification categories. Um, so there's a, lot of, there's a lot here. But um, how this possibly could be, and I see nothing about declassification, at least yeah. so far. That's well, section 3.1. Okay, so I got to go way down here. So again, I'll, I'll have to dig into this um, and see. And, I, and listen, maybe this is, um, okay, oh. author, authority for declassification. Information shall be declassified as soon 
as it no longer meets the standards for classification under this order, information shall be declassified or downgraded by the official who authorized the original classification, if that official is still serving in the same position and has original classification authority, the originator's current successor in function, if that individual has original classification authority, a supervisory official of either the originator or his or her successor in function, officials delegated declassification authority in writing by the agency head or the senior agency official of the originating agency. So it sounds to me, just as a quick read, on the declassification side, he would have had to been the one to classify it first. Right. That's, that's the way I'm reading it from this executive order that was uh, put out by, by President Bush and expanded later, later by Obama, that the declassification powers, as you read, the official who authorized the official classification or a supervisor official. So if he was the one that said, you know, I'm classifying, I'm, I'm classifying these documents, uh, no joke, uh, then, then he would have that power. He still wouldn't have the power to take them. Right. I doubt he classified anything because this is Joe Biden. He's not exactly a stickler for things. I I mean, this may be what Jake Tapper is referring to, but I don't think this holds any water whatsoever. And again, this is a a 30-second read of having this just – Fran just told me about this and me looking it up. So um, so there you go. Yeah, and it's not mentioned in the Federal Records Act. A VP cannot declassify documents which are covered by the Federal Records Act, which is a criminal and much tougher than the Presidential Records Act. The Federal Records Act is what the vice president falls under, right? Yes. Okay, let's go back to – you have cut one, G? All right, one more time. Jake Tapper with James Comer. Roll that. To declassify documents. Now, the question is whether or not the president actually declassified the documents. The vice president does not have the authority to declassify Actually, the vice vice president does have – There's a big difference The vice president does – I'm not saying we don't. We, we, the vice president we, does we have that authority. That. That, well, we disagree that the vice president does. But just just to put yeah. a first of all, you're asking for the visitors' logs at President Biden's Greenville, uh, outside Wilmington, Delaware, home. Are you also asking for the visitor logs at Mar-a-Lago? Because the issue of whether or not sources and methods are compromised, whether or not uh, any of these documents them. got into the wrong hands, whether or not Biden or Trump uh, allowed documents to be kept in a haphazard way. That exists, period. And I'm wondering why the request for visitor logs in Greenville, but not in Mar-a-Lago. Can't stop it. See, see because Jake, Jake can't, <laughs> he can't get out. He, he just, can't get out of his own way. He just can't ask questions. He just no, can't ask questions. He has to know got, why there's in, in his mind. Yeah, he's got a grandstand for in his mind what there's a double standard. Um, Which, by the way, he, now he'll acknowledge that double. Okay, fine. So, will you acknowledge all double standards, sir? Yeah. No. Now, here's the thing. We are, we are supposed to believe that the sitting president of the United States, who has spent more time in Delaware than he has in the Oval Office, that's a fact, more time in Delaware than he has in the Oval Office, we're to believe that, that there is no records or logs of anybody who's come and gone from this house in Delaware over the last two and a half years? So you're telling me if they found a um, if they found a credible threat against him, or they found some kind of listening device, or a camera, or something that they had never expected, and they found something in this home, and the FBI said, "Well, we have to look into this. Who the hell's been around here besides your family?" They would have no leads to give them. That's a word to believe. <laughs> they, 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 uh-huh. 
<laughs> That's what you get. And we're all just supposed to buy this? That there's no logs? Well, you know what? Let me add an interesting wrinkle to this. Because I had this discussion at home tonight before I left the house. Where my girl, she, she's watching the news with me and she's like, she's like, really? They want records of who visited his home? I'm like, well, yeah. And she's like, why? It's his, ho- it's his house. Who keeps records like that? I, and I pointed out, I'm like, look, I go for any other regular person? No. But he's the president of the United States. Much like any plane he gets on becomes Air Force One, any place he stays has to be considered an extension of the White House. So you have to know who is going to be there. They need to sweep before they get there. If he goes to a hotel, they send a, a, an advance crew to go through everything. They know everything about that residence. Why? Because they have to. He is the most important person in the world. So the, the, the fact that he's going to go to his house and they're going to say, oh, we don't know who comes here. It's just, it's BS. It's complete BS. The Secret Service has to keep a log. It's their job. Yeah, the, uh, the idea that they don't know who comes or goes there, who, who, who's had access to the garage, who's had possible access to these files as they've been there for six, seven years, or who's been there since he became the president. It's just, I mean, is obviously they are in such CYA mode here. They're making it worse by the day because right. nobody is buying that. And again, you're telling me if they had a credible threat against the president or they had some kind of, um, they found something at the house or something in the area that was credible, that they would have no idea where to start to tell the FBI to, to search? Oh, that's... Well, and, and that, I, don't, I don't know who's been in here. We don't know. But that's why I brought up that story of, of this discussion I had at home because, you know what, a lot of people know, think that way. Most people think that way. And since this, this dope... Jake Tapper's on there saying, well, they don't have visitor logs. Are you going to get visitor logs from Mar-a-Lago? He gave them up. He, he supplied them. Why? Because that's part of the protocol. He is in a secure location. He's got 24-hour Secret Service. Secret Service has to keep track of everything. Same goes for Biden. They're under the same auspice of him being a former president. And when Biden leaves office, he'll have to do the same thing as well. But a lot of people don't know this. And again, I'm talking. I'm talking about you know my girl at home because she didn't know this. She's like, oh, I never really thought about it that way. Most people don't. They just think, well, it's their private home. They're just going home for the weekend. When you're president, you don't really have a private home, so to speak. You're 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 still under 24-hour Secret Service detail. So I I think that's that's part of what the uh, you know it's part of what Jake Tapper and the people like him are trading on that most people wouldn't realize that they wouldn't even think about it in those terms and and of course the still outstanding issue here with all of this is we are still also supposed to just believe that his lawyers <laughs> just just what we're going outside for a lemonade on a hot day and just oh what's this down here no they started what, a moving company what precipitated them looking for this material is what I want to know. What or who precipitated them to start looking for this material? People with no security clearance to deal with classified information decided on their own to start searching for for this stuff, find it, don't immediately call for the FBI to come in, continue to search for it themselves, then whatever it is, two days later, tell them, 
And then they continue to search, and the FBI has, has still not come in to do all of the searching for themselves after that. You've got attorneys who were just supposed to take their word for what they found, when they found it, how much they found. And the question I want to know is how and why they found it now. Why now? Yeah, what are they looking for? What prompted them to start doing this now? Who leaked it to CBS to get this story rolling, which we never would have known about, ever? That to me is still, I mean, I know we got to get to the bottom of the rent and the hunter and the 50,000 for the house and who owns it, who's been there, no logs. Now this is, it's just a snowball going so fast down the hill. And if it wasn't for the media being so in the tank, although they're not in the tank as much as they are in some things, I'll say, I'll I'll give them at least that. Some of them have done a pretty decent job in the briefing room and other places. Well, they're finished. They're finished with the sock puppet. They know he can't get reelected. So it's time to throw him under the bus and let's start bringing, they're going to bring some charming new communists to the forefront and uh, it'll tell everyone how uh, getting a UBI is going to save their lives. Taking their uh, orders, if you ask me, from Susan Rice, but that's just me. All right, live from Studio 6B, more to do, news and sports. Slick Ricks to happy man, 12 nothing. Is that another missed Bextra <laughs> yes, point? Oh, my God. <laughs> they go, did they go for two? I don't know. Slick Rick ain't got the cowboy blues yet. (laughs) All right, let me talk to you about our friends over at Birch Gold. Phil Patrick was good last week on the show, talking about that CPI. Me and him differ a little bit on where it's going, inflation. Uh, But are the Biden administration's New Year's goals of tax and spend and turn a blind eye to inflation at odds with your goals of securing your savings? I'll bet they are. When you finally had enough of the games government is playing with your savings and retirement, diversify into gold with Birch Gold. Tired of my money being impacted by stupid decisions by leaders in Washington? That's on both sides of the aisle, by the way. For over 5,000 years, gold has withstood inflation, geopolitical turmoil, and stock market crashes. And here's the great news. You can still get your hands on it. That's right. In fact, you can own gold and silver in a tax-sheltered retirement account. Birch Gold makes it easy to convert an IRA or 401k into an IRA in precious metals. Here's what you need to do. Text the word America, send it to 989898 to claim your free information kit on gold. With almost 20 years of experience converting IRAs and 401ks into precious metal IRAs, Birch Gold can help you. Protect yourself with gold today by texting America to the number 989898. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, thousands of happy customers, countless five-star reviews. Secure your future with gold. Start today with a free information kit. There is zero obligation to make this request. Just text America to 989898 and get your free information kit from our friends at Birch Gold Group. All right, 18 past the hour. Slickster's made his way out here. It's Cowboys up 12 nothing. Got the ball back. Slick Rick, what's going on in sports? Sports is brought to you by Mike Lindell. 
If you're starting to think about shopping for uh, that special someone for Valentine's Day, use our code LFS6B at checkout over at MyPillow.com. It'll save you 10 to 60% off some items. Slick Rick, what's going on? All right, Big D. Well, let's get you an update on that NFC wildcard game right now down in Tampa. Raymond James Stadium, Dallas Cowboys lead the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 12-0, 256 to go in the first half. Cowboys have the ball uh, about the Tampa 40-yard line looking to add some points. Their field goal kicker, though, Brett Maher, has pushed the ball wide right twice on extra points. So keeping the door open for Tom Brady. You know, that guy scares me. He's the greatest of all time, the GOAT of all GOATs. And, uh, you know, if, if I think I'm feeling good about winning this game, nah, not with that GOAT. I don't feel that way. So we got some other games going on right now, too. NHL action. The Rangers over the Blue Jackets, 3-1. to one. Rangers looking good. Six minutes to go there in the third. Ducks and Penguins tied at two, also in the third. Uh, Capitals right now trail the Islanders, 3-2. Islanders are up 3 nothing. Capitals come back, 3-2, end of two. Predators, 2 nothing over the Flames in the second. And sound like the Blues are winning 2 nothing over the center of this big D. <laughs> Ten minutes to go in the second NCAA men's basketball earlier final from tonight. Villanova, 77 over, to 73 over Georgetown. Boy, oh boy. <laughs> Patrick Ewing's having his hands full with that team. Uh, and number two, Purdue. Actually, number three, Purdue. The Boilermakers just make it out against Michigan State, 64-63. Tight game there. Charleston over William & Mary, 82-54. Illinois, 78-60 to over the Golden Gophers in Minnesota. And uh, Miami, the Hurricane. 82-78 over Syracuse. All finals earlier tonight. And, uh, well, speaking of uh, NCAA men's basketball, Alabama forward Darius Miles charged with capital murder. This is Myron Medcalf of ESPN. Alabama men's basketball player Darius Miles and another man have been charged with capital murder in connection with a Sunday morning shooting near campus that killed a 23-year-old woman. Miles was booked into the Tuscaloosa County Jail around 645 Eastern on Sunday. Uh, last night, a jail official told ESPN in a statement Monday, the university said Miles, a junior reserve forward from Washington, D.C., is no longer on the team. Tuscaloosa Police uh, Captain Jack Kennedy said the shooting occurred early Sunday morning in the Strip off University Boulevard near campus. He said Jamea Harris of the Birmingham area was shot and killed. Miles, 21, and Michael Lynn Davis, 20, of Charles County, Maryland, were both charged with capital murder. That charge arose because the death involved shots fired into a vehicle, Kennedy said. Uh, at this time, it appears that only the only motive was a minor altercation that these individuals had with the victim as they were out on the strip, Kennedy said at a news conference Sunday evening. They didn't have a previous relationship, he said. Miles had participated in six games this season. The last time he played for the fourth-ranked Crimson Tide on December 20th, he scored two points in Alabama's 84-64 win over Jackson State. So that's crazy news, Big D, out there. Uh, probably just had an argument or something like that. You know, you can't, you know, obviously it's crazy. Speaking of crazy, Vegas goalie Leonard files for bankruptcy, cites $50 million in debt. Listen to this one, Paul. AP report out of Las Vegas, the Golden Knights a goaltender, Robin Leonard, and his wife have filed for bankruptcy in Nevada, citing up to $50 million in debts to dozens of creditors. The Chapter 7 bankruptcy filing offers a glimpse into the couple's financial problems, including money owed to no fewer than 50 people and companies, the Las Vegas Review uh, Journal Review said. Uh, they filed for bankruptcy December 30th, months after Wisconsin company sued Leonard 
for $4 million, claiming the NHL player and his father failed to make any payments last year on a business loan. Both Leonard and his father, Michael, are listed as principal members in a Nevada business license uh, filing for a Solar Code, uh, a limited liability corporation. Uh, Leonard's death also included mispayments for a collection of rare snakes he purchased for $1.2 million in 2017, according to the bankruptcy filing. Uh, he and his wife, Danya, estimated their assets are worth up to $10 million, and Leonard, 31, who's still playing, signed a five-year, $25 million contract with the Knights in 2020, but the Swedish hockey player has spent the 2022-23 season recovering from hip surgery. So, wow, Robin Leno, that's unbelievable. What a story. And that's a wrap in sports. Big D, back to you. All right, Slick Rick, thanks very much. Um, let's do some news, and here with the news is Paul Nolan. What's going on, Mr. Nolan? Well, uh, <laughs> how? I don't know. $50 million a lot. 50 million. I, think, I think he lost $8 million in an exotic snake farm. Wow. He's, he's betting halftime at the Chargers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that could be, too. Sounds more like it. Exotic snake farm. Sounds like a strip bar. Like, for like, for like, I don't know, a gay bar. I don't know, man. What the hell is he talking about? A fool and his money deserve to be part of that. Seems to be the theme of the show. Um, anyway, private jet admissions quadrupled during Davos in 2022. Expect to go higher this year. Um, private jet admissions quadrupled to uh, 1,040 planes flew in and out of the airports of Davos uh, during the World Economic Forum meetings. Climate campaigners have accused the rich and powerful of hypocrisy and flying on private jets to conferences discussing climate breakdown. And the Dutch Environmental Consultancy Group, uh, Delft, calculated that during last year's, the CO2 emissions from private jets were four times greater than in an average week. They also said there was uh, twice as many flights in and out and they admitted as much as uh, 350, I'm sorry, excuse me, as much CO2 as 350,000 cars over that period of the month. Um, so again, in the, in the full-blown uh, hypocrisy category, what's good for me, not for thee, is uh, I guess alive and well at Davos. So I figured I'd throw that uh, out there. And then uh, from the World Economic Forum's website itself, it, says, it tells you, the wonderful benefits of a cashless society. Uh, the first recognizable coins were produced in China uh, more than 3,000 years ago. If you visit China today, there'll be a strong chance you'll see people paying for things using facial recognition on their phone. This radical shift is just the beginning of the cash revolution. It goes on to say that the new global payment ecosystem, which include physical cash as well as mobile wallets, is the result of the convergence of three large and powerful industries, telecommunications, banking, and retail. And it goes on to say, I'll post this one on my page, how absolutely wonderful it'll be to have a cashless society where all your transactions and everything you do is for Big Brother to watch. So I will post that since we're running out of time uh, on my Getter page. But by the way, the Getter page is closing in on 10,000, Big D. So I want to thank everyone following me over at P-O-P-P-A-N-O-L-A-N. Uh, I try not to swear over there either. So for those of you who have uh, who live a nice, wholesome <laughs> life, I promise you this. Keyword key there. I'm out. Try. <laughs> I try my best. Keywords. Try desperately. Always focus on the keywords. That would be hey, look, I'm just a, I'm just a work in progress, D. I'm just I, I, I feel you, dog. <laughs> He's, uh, the He's the house whip. He's the house whip. You guys are so lame. You guys, I feel you, dog. I feel you, dog. Can I be lamer? No. Boy, that's so hood. All right, we don't <laughs> <laughs> Alright, live from Studio 6P on a Monday. We're back right after this. 
are live from Studio 6B on a Monday night, 30 minutes past the hour. Glad you're a part of the show. Slick Rick's been doing sports. He's back in the Slick Rick Cowboy Cam uh, cave watching the game. Dallas looks pretty much in control so far, so Slick's got to be feeling good. Another another touchdown. Another touchdown for the Cowboys. So slick. Uh, <laughs> Look at him. I would have. I would have thought we would have gotten more motion on these touchdowns, a little more jumping up and down and stuff. He seems right? pretty. Uh, there we go. See, he's now is better. There we go. Better. Spike the ball. There. We, there we go. Uh, I can he's hear him break from in here. There we go. Okay, <laughs> there we go. All right. Uh, Paul's been doing news. Rick Delgado's here. So, um, Fran forwarded me a comment from someone in the Rav chat over at. Um, uh, he missed America, America's Voice News. He missed another extra point. That's three in a row. That's amazing. Uh, <laughs> He's looking. Did, did he kick it over here? <laughs> it's still eighteen nothing. Like oh just, my goodness! I think he just broke something. That's uh, okay. Uh, says Damon, I'm a 30 year career Intel officer. I'm not going to give the per- gentleman's name. First of all, thank you for your service. Uh, served on White House NSC staff. Class D class authority, two different things. Obama EO deals with original class D class authority. POTUS still ultimate D class authority, uh, Presidential Records Act. Okay, so we'll try to get some more clarification on that. I would agree that I don't think this, I, I don't think this uh, Obama thing. Maybe that's what Jake Tapper was referring to, so that he had yeah. something to spit out there. But um, yeah, because if if that was actually true, they'd have been saying it from day one. They haven't said that for right. day one. That's a, that's a very good point. They would be right on that. Yeah. Let's do a couple of the clips, and then we'll do Crazy Town here, because Biden was off the rails today, and I mean off the rails even for him. Uh, cut two, G, another, um, another pom-pom holder for the Democrats, of course, uh, and that would be, um, who was Raskin on with, ABC? Oh, this is also Jake Tapper. Oh, great, okay. And Raskin, of course, he's the worst of the worst. Roll that. Now we learn that President Biden had roughly 20 classified documents, including some marked top secret in three different locations by Biden's own standard. Wasn't Biden totally irresponsible with classified information? And aren't we right to wonder, to use Biden's words, quote, what data was in there that may compromise sources and methods? Well, and I think we'll get to the bottom of all of that. I mean, that's why special counsel uh, has been appointed by Attorney General Merrick Garland. He did the right thing there to look into it. Um, You know, I'm hoping that we will keep a sense of symmetry about our analysis of these situations and a sense of proportion about the underlying offenses. There's some people who are trying to compare uh, having a government document um, that should no longer be in your possession to inciting uh, a violent insurrection against the government of the United States, and okay, those are stop, obviously stop. I mean, stop. Just, enough of this guy. I can't. I can't. I can't listen. I mean, that that, that that's like. Um, I don't even know what that's like comparing to. This guy's the worst of the worst sleaze. Is this guy? Like those two things have anything to do with each other in the matter of this discussion? Again, I love how these Democrats—they build all of this, all this padding into the laws. Oh, we gotta make it like oh, like one. Ask ask some of these, you know, lower class, um, uh, you know, submarine. And what was this the story yeah, I was the, bringing the up? Submarine guy who, yeah, who, who who go to jail for five, ten years for one document right. on their phone. There's a woman who worked, I believe it was for the State Department. The story came out last week where she she was overseas, I guess, had some documents. Um, 
took some home to work on it. Somebody came over, saw it, reported her. She is now in jail for the same thing. Less, as a matter of fact, because there's she, she brought home one document. Joe Biden has way more documents than that. Um, so if, you, if, if justice is blind, if nobody's above the law, are we going to see a court case where he could possibly go to jail? Because he did this when he was not president. So we're not talking about between 2021 and now. We're talking about pre-2021. Yeah, and again, it, they have not cleared that first hurdle. The padding that, that all these Democrats keep trying to build into their excuses is quite mind-numbingly stupid as I listen to them. Well, it's not like, you know, we're comparing guy who brings on one classified document. Yeah, that's enough. <laughs> that's enough. That's all it takes. That's all it takes. There's, no, there's nothing in there. It's like how many you have or, or how you respond. Somehow that... Or how you feel about it. Yeah, or how, how we think, or how your impression is of how you deal with it and how many times you tell us you take it seriously. Who cares? It's amazing. Um, let's see, what other Sunday? This is why you don't watch these Sunday shows because, well, that's, that's actually, that's the last one because Chuck Todd and Ron Johnson got into it under the Hunter Biden laptop. Chuck Todd thinks there's just not, you know, there's nothing there. Nothing worth... Uh, you know, this story is the corruption story here is not worth investigating, according to Chuck Todd. And uh, I'm not going to get into it now, but there's a great article in The Federalist today by David Harsani on exactly that back and forth. And here's why the Hunter Biden corruption story is worth investigating, Chuck Todd, by David Harsani today in The Federalist. I'll link to it on our social media. I won't get into it now. But again, Chuck Todd, the guy from ABC, Jake Tapper, maybe the worst of them all. Um, they're not serious news people. They have no interest in getting you more information for you to understand anything more. They just want a demagogue, hold the pom-poms for the Democratic Party. The ideology comes first. They have no interest in actual news. So, all right, crazy town. Biden gives remarks for MLK Day. Pay attention. Roll that. No one should ever forget the night when Joseph R. Biden was announced the president of the United States. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris has literally brought about things that have changed the lives of all Americans. I bring you the president on the critical issues have had our best, our backs and our best, President Joe Biden. Oh boy. Smattering, smattering. Zazan, hello, hello, hello. Hello, no ho, okay. Don't talk to Kamala like that. Rev, thank you very much for that introduction. Yesterday morning, on what would have been Dr. King's 91st birthday, I attended the Sunday services at Ebenezer. I may be a practicing Catholic. We used to go to 7.30 Mass every morning in high school and then in college. Before I went to the black church. Yeah, sure. Not a joke. And so many young people are going to do so much more than Shameless. we were able to do. What's your name, honey? Good to see you. Maybe I can have a picture with you before oh, I leave. Okay. Oh, creepy. And that was deeply meaningful and moving for me. Oh, yeah. If you hold just a second, one of the things that I wanted to, it's a slight digression, but one of the big issues was with the pandemic. 
I wanted to make sure that we spent the time, effort, and had the mechanism to make sure that minority communities were not left behind. Minority communities were treated as, I mean, it was a single effort we had, and I'm very proud of the folks who ran that show that we got it done. We got it done. What? You know, I'm of the view and have been my whole career, <clears throat> which is only a couple years right now. I know I don't look that way. But I'm tired of trickle-down economics. Oh, here, we go. <laughs> and, uh, here we go again. I think the economy, the way it should grow in America, yeah. is from the mm -hmm. bottom up mm -hmm. and the middle out. Mm -hmm. sure. Two years in, it's clearer than ever that I think our economic plan is working. That's a fact. That's great. Folks can get tax credits when they install energy-efficient appliances in their home, like oh, yeah. an energy-efficient dishwasher or, or heat pumps or electric vehicles heat if pumps. you're able to buy one of those. A significant number of minority communities can't access affordable high-speed internet, as you all know, oh, and you've told to me for years. Well, we're going to make sure that every community has access to affordable, high-speed internet so no parent has to drive to McDonald's there parking lot to have their kid sign up for connection yeah, right. to be able to do their homework. Right. Instead of photo ops. That's happening a lot. And I know I spend a lot of time, some of you here from Delaware know I, I'm a big Delaware State guy. <laughs> I went to the University <laughs> of Delaware, but my political foundation was Delaware State College, HBCU. We're uh, expanding efforts <laughs> oh to my God, the pandering. wealth like every other person who built their wealth. How'd they build it? Homes. You know, they're, talking, they're going to talk about big spending Democrats again? Guess what? Guess what? I reduced the deficit last year $350 billion. And there's going to be hundreds of billions reduced over the next decade. But so what? These guys are the <laughs> fiscally, you know, they're fiscally demented, I think. They don't, they don't quite get it. I am going to get assault weapons banned. I did it once. I'm going to do it again. Deer aren't wearing Kevlar vests out there. Oh, what the hell do you need? A assault? No, I'm serious. And ban the number of bullets that can go in a magazine. There's no, no need. For any of that. I love my right-wing friends who talk about the tree of liberty is water of the blood of patriots. That's not I mean, the quote, dummy. If you need dummy. to work about taking on the federal government, you need some F-15s. You don't need an AR-15. I'm serious. Think That's about it. That's think foul. about the rationale for this. This is the fact that things money. Like that is foul. No one, say it again, no one should be in federal prison for the mere possession of marijuana. No one. Or crack. In addition to that, they should be released from prison and completely pardoned and their entire record expunded. Why is he expunded. It to the expunged. Do you think they're the we have only to ones that smoke building weed? on it and yeah, defend probably. our progress because this new, Congress, this new Congress, this new Congress. Look, I know I get criticized from some of you and some folks in our party, my party. But I'm ready to work with the new Republican House on any Republican or any Republican Congress to make progress for the people of America. But like many Americans, I was disappointed to see the very first bill that the House of House Republicans and Nancy, you probably rolling over when you saw it, are bringing to the floor that would help the wealthy people and big corporations cheat on their taxes. All these new IRS agents we have is because they fired a lot of them. A lot of retiring. And guess what, is, what? What is with that? Who needs serious agents to know what they're doing and not doing? The billionaires. The multi-multi-millionaires. 
Oh, God. This is their first bill. And they campaigned on inflation? They didn't say if elected, their plan was to make inflation worse. You know, uh, there's How are they doing that, we Joe? celebrate a legacy of your beloved father and mother. Here we go. They work for the beloved community. But congratulations today, the honorees, uh, including your wife, uh, who I understand uh, is a birthday today. Well, look, my wife has a rule in her family. <laughs> On somebody's birthday, sing happy birthday. You ready? Listen. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Valley. Happy birthday to you. Well, it's hell turning 30, but you got to put up with it. And Nancy Pelosi, who I think is literally, not figuratively, the greatest leader. House Speaker in American history. <laughs> Happy birthday to Alan. It's like some stand-up what was the name? on some off, like, Vegas rap casino, like, <laughs> you know, somewhere, like, in between, like, highways. Like, man, it's so bad, his act. It's just it's so boring. And- You're going to sing Happy Birthday to someone you might want to not butcher their <laughs> name when you get <laughs> yeah, say Mrs. Uh, King. <laughs> Valvi. Happy birthday <laughs> to Valvi. <laughs> Nance, pass me the bottle, would you please? Hi, <laughs> live from Studio 6B on a Monday. We'll wrap it up when we get back right after this. <laughs> to the hour live from Studio 6B on a Monday night. Glad y'all been a part of the show. I've been watching the Getter Chat. Haven't had a chance to really jump in there too much, but it's all it's been pretty fiery. Everybody's uh, all the usual suspects right now. I've seen some new names in there too. It's always good to grow the Raf family on Getter. Make sure you're following at Real AM Voice. Make sure you're following us as well at LFS6B. Pretty much everywhere across all social media at LFS6B. Um, if you if you didn't see my video this morning, by the way, you should check it out on either YouTube or Facebook or on Getter. Um, Dr. Leanna Wen, remember I did a video on her oh. about a month and a half ago. She came around on natural immunity. Well, she's got an <laughs> this is unbelievable. She has another op-ed out in the Washington Post. Guess what this one says? Oh, we may be overcounting COVID deaths. You know, this is not good. No. <laughs> I, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm yeah, yeah. Really? So, the devil incarnate is actually believing uh, I, yep. she, she may have made a mistake? No. I did a um, I did a whole video on it. It's on our Facebook page and on our YouTube page. Checked, and I think I linked to it on Getter as well. It's quite unbelievable, these people. I don't know. I don't know. If, and this is what I asked the audience to do in the comments. Comment that is, is it either better late than never? Welcome to the party, pal. Or do you read these things and you go, just get the hell out. Get away from me. I don't want to talk to you. We've been doing, we've been talking like this for three years. And you told us all that we should, uh, we should all be uh, thrown in jail if we yeah. didn't get your precious vaccine. Now you're going to tell us, oh, natural immunity is good, and we're all, we may be overcounting deaths. And Really? Yeah, we should lose our rights. We should not be allowed to work. We should not be allowed to travel. We should be uh, cordoned off. Yeah, she yeah. was like the head Gestapo of Gestapos yeah. back then. Now, yeah. oh, coming around a little bit. Take me seriously. Please, why don't you? 
All right, let's do sports and here with that. Slick Rick, Rick Emirati. What's going on, pal? All right, Big D. Well, the last game, one last half of Super Wild Card Weekend, just about ready to wrap up. We got the Cowboys leading the Buccaneers 18 to nothing at the half. Though it is concerning, we know the great Tom Brady is known for those comebacks, so you can never count that man out. Oh, this game's over. Yeah, I don't know, Paul. <laughs> I don't know. I, the Dude, fat lady might be clearing money, her throat, but I don't think she's singing yet. It's free money. It's over. You won. Congratulations. <laughs> Big D's going to put a million four on the Cowboys. <laughs> Cowboys money line. Get draft kings app up. Let me, let me go to the FanDuel app here. What, what are the what are the what's the halftime line? He wants here? to make four four dollars and eighty. What's the cents? money line on the Cowboys oh, right now? Forget about it. Anyway, let's get to some NHL I'm scores right now. Fish. Island is right now uh, tied with the Capitals, uh, tied at three with uh, eight to go in the third. Minus twelve hundred. <laughs> you got to bet twelve hundred to win a hundred right now if you want to bet the Cowboys. So oh, what's I'm... the spread? Fourteen and a half. Oof. So what's the halftime line? 18. Well, the halftime was well, 18 nothing. Uh, the original spread was Cowboys by two and a, well, it's actually bumped up to three. Yeah, three. Two and a half. Yeah. And kicked up to three right before the kickoff. And they're up 18. So, okay. I don't know. Well, what's we'll your see. Line? I have, mine's only uh, plus five and a quarter. W- minus 800. Right. I got um, minus 1,200, so. Well, what's the, the plus, what's the plus much, side of that? It's a much better deal. We've morphed into a bookie show. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Penguins over the Ducks, 4-3 final overtime. The Rangers looking good, Rick. 3-1 over the Blue Jackets. Sound like the Blues. Uh, <laughs> stars says the pimp. 4-0 over Golden Knights. All right, let me get to some stories. Says John Leguizamo selling tickets outside the stadium. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I got my hat on now. Uh, Bill, hey, listen to this one. Good Samaritan who rescued 24 people during deadly Buffalo Blizzard awarded Super Bowl tickets. Uh, yeah, this is Ethan Lettekenman of Breitbart. A good Samaritan rescued 24 people during the deadly winter storm that struck western New York in December was awarded tickets to this year's Super Bowl by the Buffalo Bills. On Christmas Eve, Jay Whitley of uh, Cheektowaga uh, uh, in Erie County broke the window of a school to seek shelter from the blizzard after spending the previous night in his trapped truck after a few other people seeking warmth, according to Damon's favorite station, CNN. Uh, Whitley then went outside to search for other people who were stuck stuck in their vehicles and brought them into the warm shelter of the school from the storm, bringing in a total of 24 people. The blizzard reportedly killed nearly 40 people in western New York. I know we reported on this was terrible. And on Christmas morning, after spending the night, Whitney and others uh, used the snowblowers from the janitor's closet to free their vehicles. Before leaving, Whitney left a note telling the school that he was sorry for breaking in, but he said he had to do it to save everyone and get them shelter and food and a bathroom. He then signed the letter, Merry Christmas, Jay. The Chictoga Police Department later identified Whitney as the Good Samaritan shared on Twitter and to thank Whitney uh, for his heroic efforts, the Buffalo Bills and the regional branch of the Blue Cross Blue Shield surprised Whitney with two tickets to the Super Bowl. So fantastic. Uh, Hall of Famer uh, Bills uh, running back Thurman Thomas delivered the message. So really good stuff there, Big D. Um, and NHL backs down after Governor Ron DeSantis' office calls out discriminatory job fair. And the National Hockey League uh, has backtracked on the participation requirements of a job fair it is hosting in Florida after Governor Ron DeSantis Santa's office slammed the event as discriminatory. Um, what the requirements were was the real quick was the participants must be 18 years of age, based in the U.S. and identify as female, Black, Asian, Pacific Islander, Hispanic, Latino, Indigenous, LGBTQIA plus, and or a person <laughs> with a disability. <laughs> Veterans are also welcomed and encouraged to attend. Well, DeSantis was having nothing to do with that. Called up the NHL office and said, "Hey, this isn't happening unless you change the rules and open it to everyone," which they did. So, good ending to story. Good for Governor. DeSantis, always looking out for the best interest 
of his great state, the great state of Florida. And that's a wrap in sports. Big D, back to you. All right, Slick Rick. Good, uh, good sports. Good luck in the second half. We're not going to be on the air for the whole thing, but it looks like you're in pretty good shape. So I hope that continues for you so that you're sane tomorrow when you come in. So <laughs> This drive uh, here is key. <laughs> okay, this drive here is key. This is the key one. All right, very good. Uh, just a couple quick things. Can anyone ex- can anyone tell me why uh, the former president, our our own, all of our f- favorite president, forty five, is all in on Ron, Ron McD- Romney McDaniel? Can someone help me understand this, please? He's still all in, Hunter, and I don't get it. Really? Wh- when did he say this? He's been saying it. He's been saying it. He's still still supporting her. I haven't seen that. Yeah. Is he supporting her the same? Yeah. There even with all theory. these states, even with all the states. Seemingly starting to come out and say, no, 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 no more of this. He's seemingly still behind her. I don't get it. The same way he was behind McCarthy. And I'll tell you, here's the other thing I really don't get. And we've talked about this over and over, and it's going to come to a head at some point. Steve Dace has a piece out today. Now, I don't know if this is an interview that Trump just gave. I know he was on with David Brody earlier this afternoon. He's done some interviews. But I don't know if he gave an an interview to Newsweek. Trump dismisses COVID-19 vac safety claims says he saved 100 million people by pushing the development of the vaccines, arguing that some were calling it the greatest thing ever. Steve Dace says, if there wasn't just one candidate in the GOP race willing to tell any of the truth about the poisonous jabs, which is DeSantis, this would be an auto disqualifier for Trump, not just brutal politically, but also immoral. And this article says... um, Former oh, President yeah. Trump has dismissed claims that the COVID-19 vaccines are broadly unsafe while asserting that his role, his own role in the development of the vaccines may have saved 100 million lives. Good God. Trump touted the effectiveness of Operation Warp Speed, his administration's program to accelerate the development of COVID-19 vaccines and therapeutics during a Monday interview on the, on the water cooler. So here you go. I didn't even know that. So this is where this is from. Host David Brody asked the former president if he would acknowledge that the vaccines were not as safe or effective as we were told by the medical community at the time, end quote, after repeating a number of unsubstantiated anti-vaccine claims. Of course, there's Newsweek. Quote, I was able to get something approved that, you know, that has uh, proven to, to have saved a lot of lives, Trump said, ignoring Brody's request to weigh in on the anti-vaccine narrative. Some people say I I saved 100 million lives worldwide. Trump touted the speed of the vaccine development under his program, saying that he was able to get the vaccines done in nine months, as opposed to what he claimed would have been five years to 12 years. Well, that's correct. The former president said it was very important to note that he did not order lockdowns, we know that, or a federal vaccine mandate, and he had never forced anyone to get the shots. He also praised Republican governors for refusing mandates and lockdowns at the state level. However, he singled out his potential 2024 GOP primary uh, opponent, Ron DeSantis, for pandemic policy criticism, pointing out that the Florida governor had shut down his state for a period of time. Brody then pushed Trump to declare whether he had concerns about the safety. Trump said he always had concerns, but argued that some reports were saying the vaccines were the greatest thing that ever happened. So, I don't know. I don't know. When you can't get away from giving your own resume, it's going to shake out somehow. All right, as always, we salute our military, active and active police, firefighters, first responders, EMTs, everybody on the front lines. Thanks to everybody on the show. Thanks, G. Thanks, Fran. Most of all, thank you, the live from Studio 6B audience. We'll see you tomorrow night, 8 p.m., right here, live from Studio 6B. 